like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for oysters and the people that shuck them. I'm <laughs> <laughs> playing it fast and loose this week. <laughs> um, really, uh, we've widened our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Kelly, up for discussion this week is Nancy Drew and the Clue in the Crumbling Wall. And yep, yep. I have an opening thought for you to ponder. I knew you would. I, how did you know? <laughs> I just, I had this feeling. Well, my opening thought is a would you rather question. Ooh, I love a would you rather at me. You were totally right. This book is an architecturally based crime. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the architecture in question is like a fake castle in the middle of a suburban field. <laughs> like an undeveloped right. field outside of suburbia. My question for you is, would you rather be locked in the dungeon of a fake castle that's been recreated in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather have to sneak past three angry, hungry, huge dogs on the grounds of the fake castle that's been recreated in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest? Can, can I ask a follow-up question? Yes, you can get as much context for this okay. as you desire. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. We are sisters. <laughs> In the dungeon scenario, yes, am, am I being attended to? Like, do I ever do? Does somebody like shove a bologna sandwich through the slats in the dungeon bars, like you know, two times a day, or am I just like there alone? Occasionally, someone will show up, but you don't know how often they will mm-hmm. show up. You don't know when they're going to come back. Like, it might be Thanksgiving, and they take vacation from feeding their captive. You know, you don't know. You don't know. Cool, 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 cool. And how fast are these dogs? So fast. Okay, I'm going to take Dungeon. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would take Dungeon. You would go with a great unknown of not knowing when you could get out of the dungeon over playing it. I would. Just real risky, but get past those dogs and then you're done. Yes, and I, I'll tell you why. Okay. I, I can justify my, my pick. So... First of all, I know how fast I run. So I know I know for sure what the ending of scenario two is. Okay. Period. But I also have seen enough Disney cartoons where like beauty gets sprung from the dungeon after like less than 24 hours by a talking teacup. That's true. Like a talking mouse will come use its tail to like unlock the padlock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least option one, I have. There's hope. That's true. Know? That's true. And in option one, I don't have to run. I I'm straight up option two. I don't know that I'll really? make it, but I'm too claustrophobic to be locked in the dungeon um, with no, I have no hope. Problem with that? Ooh, I couldn't take it. Also, there could be a ghost down there, and I, I that would I, I would have a heart attack and die if I saw a ghost. Locked so. in a dungeon cell with a ghost. Terrible. <laughs> that seems like a book to me. Right there. <laughs> a book I don't want to read. Oh, True, Kelly. but you could, but you could write it. I could write it, but why manifest my own nightmares? That's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. It's we are same but different. 
Well, thank Ooh. you for playing my Would You yeah, Rather anytime. game. That was uh, a good one. What have you been up to this week? What's new in your world? I haven't talked to you in a while. I know. Um, really, nothing's new in my world, but I do have some things to run by you and could use a little bit of insight into. Ooh, lovely. Oh, first of all, it snowed here today. It's- what? Which is highly unacceptable. Yeah, it didn't, like, accumulate, as they say. Accumulate. I just wanted to say it weird. Um, I'll regret that choice in editing. Um, but um, I loved it. No, it snowed, which is just weird. not okay. I don't like that at all. Like, it, no. Is it so cold there? It's, it's just on the cusp of, okay. you know... It, I would I would qualify it as wintry mix. Oh, I I do know the wintry mix. Yes. yes, yes. Yes, I know you've been away from your homeland for a while now. But <laughs> yes, it's been fifteen years since I lived in a land with snow. Actually, no, it, lived it, in the land of the wintry mix. It does snow in Seattle occasionally, um, but not like um, it does there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm I'm like oh god, it's happening. It's starting. <laughs> So, but that that is neither here nor there. That's just pray for me. So, <laughs> will do. <laughs> um, I have been having the past like three or four days the most bizarre dreams. Yes. And oh my god, I love dreams. Ti- they're different every time, but like even to the point where like my cat's been a real like jerk, and so he's been waking me up in the middle of the night like. Four and five times every night, just like can't get himself settled. What does he want? Just attention? I don't know. Just attention. Okay. He like wakes up and he's bored. You know? I do that to Garrett too, so I get it. Oh, <laughs> he must love you. <laughs> so Ollie's so, been rousting you from so your slumber. Ollie's, that's a nice way to put it. He's been rousting me, and like I'll get him settled and I'll fall back to sleep and I'll have another crazy dream. Like so every every time I just fall asleep, I'm having. A bizarre dream and so i want to share with you yes the one that has stuck in my mind and like troubled me the most over the last couple of days oh i it was love very this. vivid i am so here for a weird dream especially the lingering ones when it like yeah sets an odd tone for mm-hmm. your entire week i mm-hmm. tell me everything well it's not like a long dream but i i i walk and i so I walk to my little library. It's like four blocks away. So, Cute. you know, yeah. So in my dream, I am returning a book, which I need to do. Like it's actually, I'm returning a book that I physically have in my possession. And I walk down to the library and I'm like listening to a podcast and I drop the book in the like outside slot outside the library to return it and then decide that I'm going to go in to pick up a new book. And I walk in the doors to my library it looks exactly like my library does. And except for the fact that in the middle of the library at the like big circular, like, what do you call it? The circulation desk, I yeah. guess is probably what you call it. Correct. <laughs> it is in, it is a group of surgeons performing open heart surgery on someone. No. Oh, this is weird. Yeah. And, and like, that's basically the dream. And I was, I just was so freaked out that I like ran out. I remember thinking in my dream, like, I guess I can't walk through that to get a book. Oh um, my goodness. Because I was not scrubbed in in the dream. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I left, but like, yeah, it's really bugged me. I've, in my like 39 years, I have never had a dream like that that I can remember before. Really? So anyway, yeah, diagnose me, please. Oh, 
Done and done. So, in my mind, Kelly, mm-hmm. are you on your chaise lounge listening? I, I fully am. Yes. Please recline. In my mind. <laughs> Please recline. <laughs> the library is the symbol of knowledge and tomes mm. of knowledge that are just slightly, that they're accessible to you, but they're beyond your wildest imagination. You don't know. There's a million things you can learn in a library. You don't know what you don't know, you know? True. <laughs> you know? And Ayo. so, you have entered the library this place of knowledge where the possibilities are endless for the things that you can learn and in front of you is happening a life-altering transformation of a human being Mm. they are undergoing a process that is rerouting re-circuitizing i'm making words up basically somebody is undergoing an extreme transformation involving the very things that keep them alive so I think mm. your brain is telling you that there is some deep knowledge that you are searching for that you may not know what it is yet, but it's going to change your life and your very existence. And as as my favorite aardvark once said, <laughs> having fun isn't hard when you have a library card. So <laughs> my hope for you is that, that this journey Karen. of knowledge and transformation will, though intense also be enjoyable (laughs) wow karen that that was insightful oh thank you so much i just made that up on the fly (laughs) i i am very impressed i and and i'm gonna go with your with your translation of that dream because in my mind i'm like is this my subconscious telling me i'm getting ready to have to undergo open heart surgery no absolutely (laughs) not i also do think there's a covid aspect to this too because you probably haven't been going into the physical library a oh, whole lot in the last two years true. so there is a danger element you know mm. in all of our minds every time you enter a building now it's like ooh, this was so verboten for the last two years verboten. so you are like man karen you do have a very extensive vocabulary oh thank you i also have a lot of dreams so i have dreams like this like i this morning when i woke up kelly i woke up from a dream where i had been kidnapped by a cult and what the cult made wow. you do was go into a field and you had to stand on top of a ladder. So it was like 40 ladders with people on top of them, one of which was me. And you had to stand on top of the ladder and stare directly at the moon for four days and could not come down off the ladder. And at the end of the four days, after staring at the moon, you would be released from your ladder and you would remember nothing of your past life, but you would be a better person afterwards. And I woke up and I'm like, what just happened? What was that? (laughs) Yeah, so. Also, how does that even work? How do you stare at the moon for four days straight? Fantastic question, because it was also daytime in my dream when this was happening and (laughs) and the moon was out and they're like, just look at the moon. So it did not not make sense at all. Karen, that is like such a very specific it's just very specific. This is every night for me. I have dreams like this, and this is also why I'm tired all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, thank you for the insight into mine. I feel a lot better now, actually. My pleasure. I Please tell me your dreams all the time. I'll be happy to analyze them okay. whenever you need. Thank you very much. So what did you do this week other than, you know, oh, crazy cult dreams? Kelly, I did the best thing ever. What? What? So, what? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Oh boy. So my friend Jen was like, hey, in Capitol Hill, there, there's a cat cafe called Nico <gasps> Cat Cafe. Oh and, my God, I love a cat cafe. Yeah. And she alerted me to the fact that for some reason right now, there are approximately 40 tiny baby kittens at this cat cafe. <sighs> 
So on Friday, we went. You can buy wine and beer there. So we like got a sparkling wine and we just sat and played with baby cats for an hour, which I think it's the is the best thing ever. It's it's actual heaven. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing better. They're so small. They're just climbing all over you, like in your jacket. One was like chilling in my Doc Martin. It was. Mm. Fantastic, but then so so when you went in, there were forty baby cats, and when, when I left, when you left, how many were there? There were three in my purse and two in my jacket. <laughs> Seriously, did you adopt any? No, bearing the lead on me. No, no babies came home with me Aww. because I already have two babies at home, and that is enough. But I wanted two so bad. There was one. So there, there was one named Kevin, and I kind of Kevin. fell in love with Kevin the baby. Kevin cat. the baby kitten cat. <laughs> he was. I, very cute. There, there was a, there's a, um, not was, there is a cat cafe called Pounce in Charleston that I went cute. to several times. Um, and I did almost take a couple baby cats home from there. And they just like, they, we weren't the right fit. And totally. You know. that, and that's okay because yeah. it led you to Ollie. Well, so something happened after the cat cafe that I'm just going to tell you this embarrassing thing that I did. It's directly related to what we've been talking about every week, that we may no longer be fit to go into society because of the pandemic. I'm like, I don't really know how to like... I definitely am not. Yeah. So I'm like riding this kitten high... I meet up with Garrett. <laughs> Sorry, like... that was that was an amazing way to. Be... I was riding this kitten, is what I heard. <laughs> I was riding the kitten high. <laughs> Karen, I don't think you're supposed to ride them. I'm too big. I'm too big. Um, okay, you're riding the kitten high. I meet up with Garrett after post kittens. We're walking around Capitol Hill, and I straight up, it's it was dark. You know, it... did you beef it? No, I walked into a tree branch, like a tree branch dangling over the sidewalk slapped me so hard in the face. And it was like both my right eye and my like cheek directly under it. And it hit me so hard in the eye. And there were so many people around and I heard other people react to it. Like people were like, oh, oh. So it was noticed, and it hit me so hard in the eye that it pulled my contact lens out. Oh, no. So we had to go home. It slapped you in the open eye? The open eye. It removed my contact, and we had to go home because I couldn't see. Oh, Karen, is your eye okay? Yeah, it's surprisingly okay. Like, I made Garrett look at it a hundred times because I was convinced it was going to be so red. And also oh, where it dying. hit me, like, on the skin, I was like, that's going to be bruised. And it's a little puffy, but. <laughs> oh, my God. A tree slapped you in the open eyeball. So, that's, and, like, it's so that's hard. That's only funny because you're not injured. <laughs> For sure. I was like, I'm. this is going to be do some permanent damage. It, it was just weird because it hit me so hard, but also, like, delicately enough to remove my contact lens. <laughs> Oh, my God, oh it was so embarrassing and i thought of you immediately i thought this is what kelly has been talking about or about re-entering society mm-hmm. how did i walk i walked into a tree <laughs> i mean you know the reality is is that you and i have been doing that kind of stupid stuff our entire lives i mean you know the, the story of the story of me slipping and falling on ice in front of the one cute guy I'd ever seen in my neighbor in my apartment oh, complex like 10 years ago yeah um i remember that i mean karen i fell and slid 
for like a while. And all of my stuff was like, I, I it was like a movie where it's like, I, I didn't think my purse was open when I started falling, but it became open on the way down. Everything was under various cars. Oh. And, and he came running over to help me. Like a, a gentleman. Hero. And, and yes, and I basically was like, leave me alone like leave me it's fine forget, i didn't need any of those it. items anyway yep yep just yep. Leave, leave me was, here to die I was just coming out here to like make sure that the skating rink was the way i left it before i go back up to my home and never leave again like i wasn't going to work but no it's i it is true i mean i was telling you i think before we recorded the last episode that i had gone to the i had gone to the ballet a couple weeks ago oh yeah and oh karen Mm. Mm-mm-mm. My tolerance for the theater is gone. It's waned. <laughs> it was like, there's all these people in this place. It's hot. I have like, I have tights on. Oh, oh, I have shoes oh, are pinching no. my toes. Like it was, it was all of the things that I felt as like a four year old having to go to church on Sunday. I was just yeah. going to say that that was me at church as a child every Sunday. Yes. Like, why am I in agony right now? <laughs> Why do we have to do this? Why does God want us to suffer? <laughs> and that's why we don't go to church now. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not Catholic. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Karen, I'm, I'm super happy that you got to like roll in a pile of kittens. Very sorry that you got your contact slapped out of your eye. That's okay. Um, Thanks for listening. You win some, you lose some. I, I know. It was like such a whip like a literal whiplash mm. i was like i'm so happy no i'm in so much pain <laughs> you could have had an eye patch for christmas oh i thought i thought that's what was coming for me so I i'm feeling relieved for you like, i would have decorated cute, it a cute quilted eye patch mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah a quilty one Man, my god if you had to wear an eye patch and a mask like, oh no how many more orifices can you lose oh not me i would be earbuds in and it's over i would be so incognito (laughs) just a single eye staring out of your head oh my gosh i'm scared of myself um oh oh, my god kelly yes karen so before we talk about nancy drew yes i have i got you your fun fact of the week (sighs) yes are you ready for me to take you on a small journey I am, always. So as we discussed, this book is set in a castle, essentially, Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere that a guy has built for fun. A recreation of an English castle. For no no apparent reason. Like, no reason is ever given for why this happened. Exactly. Other than he had the money. So I started reading this on Tuesday because I was determined not to procrastinate this week. Mere moments later, Garrett sends me a Zillow link. And I don't know if you've seen this Instagram. There is an Instagram account called Zillow Gone Wild. No, but I'm going to follow it immediately. Highly recommend. These people just find the most absurd real estate on Zillow and post them, and it will blow your mind. Anyway, Garrett found this. I don't even think it was on the Instagram. He somehow found this dwelling. It is in... Rochester, Michigan. Okay. It is an actual castle in the middle of nowhere. I have put a link oh, to it in the document so that you yep, can I'm look at the photos. At it right now. And oh 
my god. To set the scene for our listeners, this castle costs $2.3 million. And a it, steal, folks. A steal at $2.3 million. Actually might be because it's 10,800 square feet. It's enormous. Yeah, I think they're actually having trouble moving this thing. I think you might be right. But let me read you the, the description from Zillow because this might be the perfect place for our Nancy Drew experience in oh that we want to go. Oh my God, build. yes. Okay, <clears throat> here's my Zillow real estate agent voice. Medieval castle on six acres. <laughs> Surrounded by a wrought iron fence and two gated towers, which, Kelly, there were two gated towers on the castle in the Nancy Drew book. There were. Practically twin towers. Twin towers. The frame is built with 60 tons of steel and construction took over six years, utilizing artisans from all over the world. The castle is 60 feet tall or taller than a four-story building. Okay, here's where it gets so good. Here are the features mm-hmm. of the castle. It has a moat. It has a waterfall. It has a drawbridge and a portcullis. Unbelievable. 26 rooms, an elevator, five fireplaces, six new furnaces, six new AC units, but it also has secret rooms, hidden doors, hidden passageways, a hidden staircase, a wine cellar, its own Tudor-style pub, and, it says, a few more surprises, dot, dot, dot. What are the surprises? Ghosts. I think we have to. Go, I think we have to go to the open house for this. I know, right? I'm like, I, I see that we can take a virtual tour of this thing. Uh, we could have a, a digital meetup with the uh, with the realtor. Do you want I mean, to? Yes, I do. Let's do like, it. We are very serious about this. <laughs> also, we're recording this for our Nancy Drew podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly, sir. Do you mind if we record this? Um, what are the surprises? I don't know. Um, I I have some I have some thoughts that I'd like to share with you on this. Now I would I'm looking l- at it. Love your thoughts. So numero uno, this place is literally in the middle of nowhere. They show like a zoomed out photo, and it's like it's like Beauty and the Beast castle. It's like trees, and then stuck in the middle of them is this castle. It is. But there's a- an HOA fee of like fifteen hundred dollars a month. <laughs> Who is in the Homeowners Association is like, (laughs) I I want to talk to this HOA president. It's like, excuse me, ma'am, you have not polished your massive, like, front porch buy-ins recently. (laughs) Could you get on top of that? You're really bringing down the neighborhood. I didn't even notice the HOA part. That's amazing. That's amazing. Secondly, I see that this was built in 1990, and that answers every question I have about this. (laughs) What's, Okay. When you like the 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 best parts of this establishment are the are the exterior, in my opinion. Then you go interior, and it's like <laughs> it looks like our parents' house, just with like more wallpaper. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so accurate. <laughs> the my immediate reaction to is this Tudor style pub. I was like, I've been in that pub on cruise ships. Like I'm looking that, at that, it now. It, it, it definitely looks like someone who had like some kind of scenic theatrical scenery background was. Oh like, yes, I see it now. I'm gonna like brickify this wall. It, it it does look like a set from a high school play that yes, takes place in a medieval pub. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yes, it does. Um, I do want to know what the surprises are. I'm upset that there's no video of the hidden passageways and the hidden doors. Same. Um, 
I have stayed in something like this. Shut the front door. Where? When? Why? Tell me. Oh my God. This Karen, this is the craziest thing. I'm, And it reminds me exactly of this to the point where for a second I was like, is this where I stayed? And it's not. So when I was on tour uh, with one of the shows that I toured with, we were flying... I think we were coming to like somewhere in in Ohio maybe, but somewhere into the Midwest and there was like terrible weather. Our flight got, you know, our flights were getting rerouted and changed all day long. Finally, like the last flight of the day got us as far as Chicago. Okay. We got into O'Hare. And from there, it was like a five hour drive to where we needed to get the next day. So we fly to O'Hare and the company like quick found us a hotel that was like i don't know maybe an hour outside of chicago i think i think it was in illinois though um to stay for the night before we like all got in rental cars the next morning and like got on to the next theater so this is all happening like in the middle of the night it's very very cold out like probably december january i'm guessing and you know we just kind of like go where they tell us to go. Yeah. They're like, here's the address, put it in your GPS. That's, that's the hotel we got you for the night. So, and it, I think it was like a, it was a brand hotel. Like it was like a Radisson or something. Okay. So really not thinking too much about it. We pull up and it is, I'm going to say a Radisson because I think that's what it was, but it was a castle. The hotel was a castle. What? Yes. Um, and it looks a lot like this. Like it was the castle outside and then you came in and it was like this big, like very ornate, heavily carpeted lobby area. And then my bedroom, my, my, I, you don't even call it a hotel room. It was like my bedroom. Your chambers. Um, <laughs> yes, it was like my chambers. You know, I didn't get in until it was like after midnight, I think, by the time we all checked in. So it's like we all just go to our rooms. I go to my room and it's this crazy Tudor medieval like four poster bed that like has windows that look out onto like an interior of the hotel like (laughs) (laughs) courtyard thing. Okay. Which is very Radisson like, except it was all made out to be like very medieval. And then I had this huge bathroom that had like this huge, huge tub in it that like it was like half a pool. And I just had the creepiest vibe in there. Oh, I, 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 yes. I, I was so creeped out all night long. Like there was just a weird vibe to the place. And so we left, we checked out early the next morning. I kind of forgot about it. Well, like, as recently as this past year, but, like, for several, like, several times since then, I have thought about it and tried to find that place. And I cannot find any reference or mention of it on the interwebs. I'm look. I've been looking on my yeah. phone the whole time you've been saying this, cannot and I find can't find it either. So I'm pretty sure that this Radisson rose up out of the mist in, like, suburban Chicago, like Brigadoon. And I'm amazed that we all got out of there alive. It was it the Givens Irish Castle? I don't think so. I'm on a website called chicagosonlycastle.org. <laughs> the Givens? The Givens Castle. Castle. This is such a bizarre story. No, it, it wasn't this. I, we have to solve this mystery. We have to know. I... 
I really think it was more of like they took a building and retrofitted it to look like a castle, but they it really did look like a castle. Weird. This also feels very much like the start to a closed room murder mystery. Like the cast of this mm. of this show shows up in the middle of the night, the cast and crew, and at the strike mm. of midnight, the power goes out. <laughs> it it would not. Yes, it feels very possible. I'm so. so glad you're okay. That's scary. I would have been like, I'll sleep on the bus. I can't. <laughs> Somebody's gonna call and be like. That place is in Nashville, and I don't know why you thought you flew into Chicago, but you didn't. You flew into Nashville, and it's called the blah, 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 and it's clearly not haunted. It's a Radisson, and calm down. But I hope I'm they do. You, I hate not knowing. <sighs> anyway. Also, this immediately reminded me of a certain place in our hometown oh yes there though for those of you that are not aware of loveland ohio it is a place that one can live <laughs> which we did <laughs> and there is a castle in loveland down on the little miami river mm-hmm. and i was obsessed with it and i had i went through like a Same. medieval phase in fourth grade where i thought like medieval times were the coolest i want my yeah, life don't goal lie. it's more recent than that I, I mean, I'm not over it. My life goal okay. is to work at the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> like, Perfect. But I yes, you. there is a castle there. And I, yeah. oh, I love to go there. I mean, like hand-built. Hand-built by a man to impress yeah. a woman. Yeah. I believe it has it's the turrets. Lore. It does. It's got a, it's got a English garden. Our friend got, got married dungeons. there. Someone got married yeah. there that we knew. Yeah. I yeah. played, I played mm-hmm. violin on a turret for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. I just tried to not fall down. Like, cobblestones and heels don't mix. No, so. those should not meet. Well, anyway, thank you for discussing architecture with me. We will figure out a way to post the link to this place so that you all can see it. It's magnificent. And if you would like to chip in to purchase this so we can collectively start our Nancy <laughs> Drew in, please stay tuned for the GoFundMe link. Exactly right. We just need $2.3 million. <laughs> we will have to hauntify it, though, Karen. You do understand that would be part of owning this castle. I agree. I agree to that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that being said, let's talk Nancy. Um, Kelly. Yes, please. You yes. got to pick the one-sentence plot winner this week. Have you I selected sure a winner? Uh, I did. And so so if you have not seen the cover of this book, it is Nancy's little face looking nervous, worried, askance <laughs> over her shoulder. Um, a big green box, uh, the, the castle turrets in the background, and then there's like this wall behind her little head that has a dude like jackhammering it apart. Yeah. And I would say there's a little bit of a scale issue with the cover Very of the book. So. Like they tried to do a forced perspective as in Nancy is closer to you. So it's like her head <laughs> is the same size as the castle wall behind her. And the man that's jackhammering the wall is about the size of her nose. It's very. I mean, I think it's. I think it's supposed to be like a vignette. Like here, here are four images from this book that we're just gonna like slap on top of each other, like you did with like a fourth grade collage. Yes. Um, Beautifully stated. Thank you. So, here is the one sentence plot submission that is taking the cake this week. 
the the praise and glory goes to at Gooba and Jetpack. Yay! After accidentally ingesting the Gromi potion, Nancy hurried to find the Shrink Me antidote, but was surprised to find she had been crushed by a castle wall, pushed down by the strongest Ant-Man alive. <laughs> Beautiful. Perfectly yes. expressed. When in in that context, the cover really does take on a very Alice in Wonderland style vibe. It does. It does. Yes. Things are much larger or much smaller than they should be. <laughs> well, now, without further ado, it is time for today's super fast plot, which is written and read to you by my sweet sister, Karen. <gasps> oh, I'm delighted to do it. I also realized every time I do this, I put on chapstick before I read it. Uh-huh. I think I got that from Pinky Patel on Instagram. So I'm putting on my chapstick. Are, are you holding your uh, your tiny microphone? Yes, and I'm wearing jeweled microphone, and I'm wearing a tiara. Perfect. Well, obviously, I obviously you've always been wearing a tiara. <laughs> All right, here we go. One fine day in River Heights, a female police officer shows up at Nancy's home asking for help with a mystery. There's a little girl named Joan who is causing lots of trouble in River Heights because her mom is sick and they have no money. If only Nancy could find Joan's missing Aunt Juliana. Aunt Juliana was a former famous ballet dancer who was engaged to a bazillionaire button factory owner named Walter Heath. However, 10 years ago, Juliana disappeared and Walter was in despair. Walter has now perished and left his entire estate to Juliana, but only three weeks remain for Juliana to appear to claim the fortune. Nancy accepts the case. The Drew crew takes a boat to go sleuth on the grounds and are nearly killed in a boating attack in the river. So they team up with local clam salesman Salty the Sailor to try to figure out who the river pirates are and regain access to the Heath estate via the high seas, AKA the Muskoka River. Carson warns Nancy that the lawyer involved in this Heath estate inheritance is a shady mofo named Daniel Hector, so Nancy is on high alert, especially because she saw this dude in an antique shop selling what appeared to be valuable heirlooms and ripping off the antiques dealer. The Drew crew have a few epic sleuthing scenes around the manor where there are a bunch of sketchy guys skulking around, including the bad lawyer Daniel Hector, some guy named Cobb, like the salad, and another guy named Biggs. There are explosions, vicious dogs, imprisonments of the Drew crew in a basement dungeon. George even gets covered in water and temporarily disrobes to air dry her clothes, and she gets trapped in a shed in the buff when a kid comes and steals her clothes. There is drama. Most importantly, Nancy finds half of a note that clues her into the fact that there is a secret way to identify Walter Heath's heir, Juliana, from any imposters. But what is the identity marker? We don't know. She also learns that something important is hidden in a wall of the manor, which is why the bad guys are smashing up all of the walls and exploding things. She has to get to the bottom of this before they take the whole place down to the studs. After following several leads, Nancy learns that Juliana was in a car accident that rendered her unable to dance any longer. She discovers Juliana living mere miles away under a thinly veiled pseudonym and brings her back to claim the inheritance just in time. Daniel Hector and his henchmen have brought forward a fake Juliana, but they're able to uncover the ruse immediately. It turns out the real Juliana had tiny feet just like Cinderella, and there is an imprint of her tiny dance slipper in the estate wall, making it obvious that she is the real Juliana. Juliana claims Heath Manor with no time to spare, and she turns it into a home for orphaned children with disabilities. 
Nancy also discovers that Juliana can make mad cash by one, bottling and selling the epic restorative spring water on the property, and two, selling the unique mollusk shells on the riverbank to jewelers. In the walls of the manor, they also find Walter Heath's super secret formula to turn mollusk shells into a very unique, never before seen purple dye. Joan moves into the manor with her mom and her aunt Juliana. She stops causing minor household crimes in River Heights, and they all live happily ever after. The end. Yay! Perfectly <laughs> done. I kind of left some things out, but that's the gist. That's that's a very perfect gist. Thank you. And now, before we go ham on this, what are your thoughts and musings, Kelly? <laughs> I love listening to you talk. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, general thoughts and musings. So, loved. I actually love this book. Me too. Uh, we got like one really solid plot. You know, there weren't two overlapping storylines or anything like that. There was just one really solid plot. Um, I know we're going to talk about this, but there is a scene where Bess, George, and Nancy are all investigating the property and they split up and <laughs> they get into some serious Scooby-Doo hijinks. And it's <laughs> yes. probably my favorite scene to date. It's so um, good. <laughs> we had a female police officer. We involved. did. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a little girl juvenile delinquent who steals plants, which has happened to me. I have had plants stolen out of my <gasps> garden before. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you yeah. the witch from Into the Woods when people stole your, your cabbages and your rutabagas? <laughs> they did. <laughs> what she happened? St- she stole my, my Rapunzel. <laughs> yes, uh, that's it. <laughs> uh, ripping up my rutabagas. Um, no, like I had just, I had just put like... It was like spring and I had gone to the nursery and bought a bunch of plants and planted my little flower garden. This is was in South Carolina. Um, and the next morning I woke up and like they were all gone. <gasps> and my initial reaction was it was an animal. But no, like it it, it wasn't just like um, flowers. It was everything. All of my new bushes, like I had planted like a shrub and it was all gone like dug out by the roots <laughs> what a strange crime yeah, it was really odd i was like what is happening right now so and annoying um, uh also i <laughs> i had probably one of my <laughs> oh karen i almost texted you about it to be like what is going on with this description and then i realized what it was in on the very first page it's like one of the first sentences of the book they describe nancy and her reddish blonde hair yes i noticed that as well Oh, but wait, pause. We'll get, it gets even worse. So in in my book, it's because of where, okay, how do I put this? In, in the word reddish, reddish is hyphenated because it, it splits, the, it splits the line. So red is at the end of one line and dish is on the, is the first word of the next line. So it's red, red dish blonde hair. And I was like, why did they describe her hair as red dish blonde hair? <laughs> it's like, that is such a weird. I, and then I was like, what, is, was red dish a thing? Like they're saying like it's blonde and like it took me like five minutes to figure out, Karen, that it was reddish. That's <clears throat> amazing. 
I was I was like, why would they see red dish blonde hair? That's Bless your so heart. <laughs> Bless my heart is right. Why am I outing myself like this? Um, I was mostly just taken aback because I thought she had Titian hair. Why have Why are we no longer calling it Titian? But whatever. Hey, you know, sometimes you gotta. I don't know. Use words that the commoners understand, like me and you. <laughs> totally. And and they try to do that, and then we're like dish blonde, no reddish. <laughs> Kelly, have you ever heard that? We were trying to make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you made it worse. Uh, what are your general thoughts and musings? Oh, I thought it was great. Um, I thought. Okay. I think it's because of what you said that there was one mystery instead of all yes. of these combined ones, but. Because of that, I felt like we had some of the best actual sleuthing of an area that we've seen to date. So we had these two very Mm -hmm. long scenes Mm -hmm. that comprise most of the book where they're investigating this estate. And I'm like, why has this not happened before? The scenes Mm -hmm. were well paced. Mm -hmm. Was the right amount of time and information instead of just we blaze past it and move on to like 12 other linked mysteries. I thought it was awesome. I agree. Like, it reminded me in a lot of ways of the property investigation that they did in, um, you know, the Russians trying to blow up the moon. Oh, I agree. Yes. But just much better. Yep. Because one of the things that drove me crazy, and I think you too in that book, was it's like they get on the property and then they're like, oh, you know, a huge, like, enclosure of wild jungle cats. Let's just move on. Like, oh, a lair? Cool. There's a lair here. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, cool. I'm, gl- I'm glad we both enjoyed it. We did. Well, okay. Let's talk about our favorite parts. Would you Let's do it. like to go first? Yes. So one of my favorite parts for sure was all of the Cinderella stuff. Uh, yes. So we find out pretty early on that, is it Juliana or Juliana? Juliana. Juliana, who's like the, the long lost love of... Mr. Castle, um, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Rick Castle, um, who, Walt, <laughs> Walt, 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 who owns the castle. Um, she's this beautiful dancer who is on her way to like fame and fortune. And then she disappears and nobody can find her again for, for forever. And for he a dies decade. and is a broken man. And yeah. Um, and, but he leaves all this. Stuff. Well, so Nancy finds this really good clue that, that indicates that he has he had a pet name for her that began with a C. Yep. So she figures out that Cinderella was Walt's nickname for Juliana, and part of that, uh, maybe all of that, is because she has these tiny little dancer feet, <laughs> little, little baby little baby dancer feet. Um, so, uh, and and that's that's one of the ways they figure out that this, you know giant footed imposter so rude <laughs> i thought possibly. that i thought that was rude as well this woman comes forward and claims to be julietta and they're like it can't be her she wears a size 10 which is the size of shoe that i wear and i was like i guess i'm an ogre <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah, I, I i don't think there was an implied judgment on the fact that the imposter had size 10 feet i think it was just i think you're right i'm sorry you're sensitive about it i am i really am (laughs) but as someone who has tiny baby dancer feet um 
you know, sometimes we get judged as well for having the daintiest, most delicate little pedices in all the land. I'm so sorry. That must be so hard for you. It is hard. It is hard. Um, there's a footprint in a cement wall, like, you know, one of the walls in question, which there are apparently many. The crumbling um, walls. Uh, there's, a, there's like this footprint in the wall that is juliana's footprint like this teeny tiny little beautiful dancer footprint in the wall so i just the only thing that i was missing in all of this was i really was it did you okay maybe it was just me but i really wanted juliana to have to come put her tiny baby foot in that impression yes like in front of a judge Agreed. It was the one missing piece. I needed because a Cinderella moment. Exactly. That would have yeah. closed the loop on our Cinderella yes. reference here. And yes. also, I don't know. Like, are you just gonna take her word for it? Like, eh, it looks the same. Yeah. Got to. No, like, oh, that was mine. It up. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, then here's your. Well, I mean, I guess kind of what what Juliana won wasn't really all that great. But uh, <laughs> yeah. do do you think it was just a coincidence that her fiance's name is Walt? And he lives in a castle, and his fiance's name is Cinderella. Kelly, I did not even put that together, but I do find that very interesting. Maybe it's maybe it's overreaching, but I just think it's. I mean, obviously Walt Disney did not invent Cinderella, but <laughs> however, yes, comma, comma, <laughs> but I think that is a very way to put the pieces together. Thank you. I listen. If the pieces are not there. I will make them up to put them together. <laughs> that is what we do on this podcast. The basis um, of our whole podcast, yes. <laughs> uh, I also like that we had another imposter subplot. Although, oh. like, whatever happens to that be? She I don't just, know. like, gets to waltz in and pretend, pretend to be, you know, the crown princess Cinderella. And, you know, nobody ever, like, throws her in jail or anything. I think she did get in trouble. They They briefly mentioned it. I don't think she went to jail or anything like the other guys, but I think she was verbally reprimanded. <laughs> I One of my favorite parts about that, it was like this little flash in the pan scene, but Nancy goes to, she goes to meet her along with Juliana's sister. Yes. So that like her sister can positively or negatively identify her as her sister. And she's like lounging around this fancy hotel room wearing a negligee. I know. I I know. With with her size 10 feet. With her giant feet. I also, as your sister. Yeah, yes. This woman seemed to struggle a little bit with like identifying her sister. To be fair, I realize 10 she years did. have elapsed, but I think I could not see you for 10 years and know <laughs> immediately mm-hmm. if it was you or not. I Karen, I think you could undergo a facial transplant and I would still be able to tell if it was you or not. <laughs> Absolutely. So I found that a little bit hard to swallow that she's like, Agreed. Hmm, I'm going to have to ask her some follow up questions to figure out if you're my sister or not. Like, what? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's like, we'll stand up and do a pirouette. You don't know what that word means? It's not her, officer. <laughs> Take her to the brig. <laughs> but I did enjoy the Cinderella stuff. I, I This will come back in one of my, um, it would have been awesome if moments, but we'll put a pin in that for later. Excellent. Would you like to uh, tell me one of your favorite parts? I bet I, you know what it is. I bet you do too. I mm-hmm. loved the character 
Salty, the singing clam digger. <laughs> they actually. I knew that that's what it was gonna be. They actually call him that at some point. They're like, oh, yes, here comes mm-hmm. the singing clam digger. So I love Also, this, this uh, subplot also it. firmly cemented for me, like, oh, yeah, we're definitely not near Chicago anymore. Got no, it. no chance. So yeah. Salty appears at the beginning of this book, ice cream truck style. <laughs> Nancy and Hannah Gruen. Up. <laughs> they're like hanging out in the yard and they hear like him coming down the road with his clam cart and mm-hmm. hannah's like i guess we should get some clams from this guy like I, I, let's sure sure let's go clams. buy some clams he his character his dialogue is written in this very funny like salty mariner Scottish vernacular. Yeah, thank you. He's like, hey, you little lassies, y'all want some clay? Yes. It's so ridiculous. There, it was, it was this fascinating combo, exactly what you said, of like salty sea dog and Scotsman. I was like, there's a lot of lassies. So happening. many lassies, and and yeah. just truly, if I haven't emphasized this enough, he is just walking around this suburban neighborhood with a cart mm-hmm. full of clams. Mm-hmm. Like a wheelbarrow. To sell them to the housekeepers Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Also, they're popping these open looking for pearls. That's not clams, right? Isn't that oysters? Do clams have pearls? Correct. I mean, not as far as I know. I mean, I think... I I mean, the the pearls that I'm familiar with are oyster pearls. Do clams have pearls? (laughs) Please Google. I was so confused. I'm like, why do they keep cracking these clams open looking for pearls? Like, you've got the wrong mollusk. All mollusks, including oysters, mussels, and clams, can technically make pearls. Oh. Oh. I stand corrected. (laughs) Okay. Well, my mind is blown. Um, Oh, more fun facts about Salty the Singing Clam Digger. I think Salty is like the first hipster we've encountered in River Heights. (laughs) That is a nice way to describe him, yes. So Salty is like, he's got like hand-woven fish baskets. He basically has a seafood food truck. I mean, it's a wheelbarrow, but same thing. Um, You are really branding Salty. Like, I think he's super cool. You, like, surfaced a note to me that he lives in a beached yacht. Yes, that was my favorite thing. It's very Pippi Longstocking. So cool. I can, I can, I can see like if Salty lived today, he would definitely have his own Hulu show and <laughs> would probably be like hosting some kind of show opposite the Property Brothers about like beachfront property, but that's actually on the beach. You know, I like, would he watch take it. this rusty old sailboat, the ru- sailboats rust. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, you know, and turn it into the home of your dreams. I would watch that every day. Absolutely. I, I'm not sure what you do when, like, the tide comes in, but that's not my problem. That's Salty's problem. Salty will sort it out for you. <laughs> so here's where my commentary on Salty is going to get a little unorthodox, but mm. was it just me, or did Salty sound kind of hot? It was just you. <laughs> okay, well, I have a direct <laughs> quote that I wrote down that says, <laughs> The man's muscular arms rippled as he dug the oars into the tranquil waters of the Muskoka River. Like, that's very romantic. Like, like embossed cover Is Nora it? Roberts romance novel. His muscular arms rippled as he dug the oars into the tranquil waters? We're painting a picture here. 
He's yes, strong. But, but you saw the illustrations of Salty in his clam cart, right? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> salty Sea Dog is what the vibe was. I will, I will grant you that that is a very beautifully crafted sentence for Carolyn Keene. I thought so as well. Well, and then it However, was. However, I have you never have you never seen an unhot muscular man because I've seen a lot of them. You make a good point. <laughs> <laughs> he he also immediately after that is like fishing and he goes, oh, there's something yanking on my line. And I started <laughs> laughing so hard I was crying because my immediate thought was that's what she said. Like, there's something yanking on my line. <laughs> Karen, he's a fisherman. I love Salty. There I love literally with something yanking on his line. <laughs> I know, but it's so funny out of context. One of one of my favorite lines from him, and I'm paraphrasing, but Nancy, he's talking to Nancy, and Nancy's kind of like hedging around that she wants him to, She she's trying to see if he would be willing to take her and Bess, I think, um, to like by boat to this kind of roundabout entrance to the castle. Yes. And... And he goes, you women never say what you mean. Oh, and yeah. in this case, that was very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But Nancy, just ask him. He's like, show up at 10 tomorrow and I'll be happy to take you. I was like, thank you. Just give me the details, Nance. <sighs> Yanking on my line. Anyway, I, I want to enter Salty into the boyfriend bracket. I very much enjoyed him. <laughs> no, no. Maybe for Hannah. No. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll post the picture too. I screenshotted the picture from the book of Salty. I'll post it on Instagram. Okay. If 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 he has to wind up in a bracket, we can put him in Hannah's. Perfect. Because Hannah ultimately gets to make her own decisions. She does. Um, currently, I think he's just up against the the uh, mailman, right? <laughs> yes. Wasn't wasn't that who had the had the hots for Hannah? The mailman does love Hannah Gruen. Yes, yeah, can yeah. you blame she him? Like, she was like making him the good soup. Oh yeah, when he yeah. was unwell, she took care of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Salt, thank you for salt, salty's got some uh, competing to do. I think so. he does. I love him. Thanks for listening to my salty obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pray for you. Um, so let's talk about the scenes at Heath Castle. Oh yes, please. So you had phrased this to me like this earlier, and it's so accurate, but I want to give you credit for the comparison. He <laughs> said, the scenes at Heath Castle are like a Roger Rabbit movie. They <laughs> are. They are. So it's accurate. like real people and yet so cartoonish at the same time. <laughs> it is. It's, it's definitely Scooby-Doo slash like Garfield or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, so there's... Is it? I guess it's the first time they. Maybe it's the second time they go to explore. The first time they go to explore. Oh no! It is the first time they go, isn't it? Well, their first attempt is thwarted because they get into a boating accident and they have to that's, return home. That's right. But Thank the first you. time they actually gain access to the premises yes. to explore, some things go down. <laughs> So the first thing that happens is basically they discover that even though Nancy has a key to get into the the main property, the this like nefarious lawyer has put this huge padlock on the big Beauty and the Beast gate out front. Oh yes. Um. So they're gonna have to climb, scale the fence, and so they find a piece of fence that like doesn't have you know spikes at the top of it that they can get over, but at the bo- on the other side of the fence are like two snarling dogs 
And Nancy goes like, uh, you just have to show confidence and, you know, not let your fear show around them. So she just like hops right over this fence and they luckily don't attack her. I really and thought so, she was going to pull like a full stake out of her pocket. So Nancy and George get over. Bess can never make it over. And she goes like, forget it, you two. I'll just wait here. So she's hanging out in the car waiting for them to come back. During which time, Nancy and George, George like falls in the water or something and like gets soaking wet. And rather than just like suck it up and be damp for an hour, which is what I would do. Yes. She like she can't go on with these wet clothes. No. So Nancy and they 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 go like, oh, look, over yonder, there's, you know, some little shed or something. So George strips off all her clothes and goes and hangs out naked in this shed while Nancy puts all of her clothes out on the lawn in a sunny patch to dry. (laughs) Nancy then gets bored and says, you'll be fine. I'm just going to go look around a little bit and abandons her naked friend. She just leaves her in this tool shed with no clothes. Just leaves her. And then what's the only thing that could happen in this scenario? George's clothes get stolen. (laughs) Yes. I mean, there is nothing else that could have happened. Now, the the means and and manner of which those clothes got stolen, it could have been the dogs. It could have been, you know... A plane comes and, you know, its propeller wind flies them into the... I don't know. But, like, you know, Dennis the Menace comes along and steals her clothes. Yep. Uh, Nancy forgets all about her friends and goes and breaks into this castle and promptly gets herself locked into the Rapunzel Tower. (laughs) In the meantime, Bess is, like, pissed and hungry out in the car and ends up stowing away in the back of the crazy lawyer's car when he comes in and gets into the property that way. But, like, no sooner has she gotten out of the car than the dogs smell her and, like, chase her up a tree. She has to she s- then remains. <laughs> she has to scale a tree and is yeah. clinging to its uppermost branches in terror for her life. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I was like... Can we please split these three people up more often? This is fantastic. Oh, I know. Um, it was amazing. And I this kind of like dovetails into one of my other favorite things. But just generally, I thought Bess was amazing in this book for yes. the exact reasons that you just mentioned. I thought it was so badass that she sneaks into the back of the lawyer's car and he's just driving around with her hiding in his vehicle yeah. So that she Always can get in. Always check your back seats, people. Oh, for sure. Worst nightmare. Um, the Her inability to not let the dogs smell her fear, I thought was deeply funny. I just thought she was five stars in this book. She, she's, she is like the comic relief every single time. I love her. Poor Bess. I love her. Yeah. I loved George at one point pulls out a police whistle. <laughs> yes. Like it, toward the end of the book, all of them get thrown and locked in the dungeon. And yep. George is like, oh, you know, I have this police whistle in my pocket. Should I blow that, Nancy? And Nancy's like, yeah, blow the whistle. A hundred percent. Blow it a lot. Now. Why didn't you do that 30 minutes ago when we got stuck in here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bless it. Well, speaking of all of these people, did you notice who was famously absent from this book? Uh, what, What a relief. Ned Nickerson, not in sight 
nowhere to be seen. We do get a very brief mention of him at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, Hannah tells Nancy, you got a letter, it's from Ned. And it's one sentence, basically, Mm -hmm. saying, hey, babe, I'm on a school trip in South Africa. Or, sorry, South America. And Mm -hmm. Nancy pockets the letter and moves on and we never speak of ned Mm -hmm. again and i thought that was exactly the right amount of time to spend on ned (laughs) that was exactly the right amount of time like nancy has other things going on in her life she has a boyfriend or as she refers to him in the book as her special friend her special Um, friend i hate that i hate it yes disgusting (laughs) it reminds me of like a video about sex I had to watch in fifth grade. You know? Exactly. So, yes. Ugh. If you have, if you're starting to have feelings for your special friend, nope, no Gross. way. Nope. Um, that's my two cents uh, on Ned. Yeah, love that. Lo- love that whole thing. Um, my last favorite thing <laughs> is, was Nancy's attempted kidnapping from her own home. So I forgot about this. Oh, please <laughs> describe it. It was it was very good. So, like, in brief, what happens is basically my worst nightmare. And also, Nancy does everything that you know you shouldn't do after watching, like, horror movies. So, (laughs) she comes home. It's dark. There are no lights on in her house, which is very unusual. She goes to the front door. The door is ajar. Nope. And rather than going, like, tea for time, I am going to not walk into what is clearly a trap... I'm going to turn my Titian Bob right around. She goes like, Hannah, did you forget to turn on the lights and close the door behind you? And Ugh. walks right on into a trap. Um, the way though, so she basically is like instantly like grabbed from behind. And they bas- the kidnappers are, tell her they're going to kidnap her. So what she does is my favorite thing ever. She basically just, she goes limp. She's like dead legs. Yep. And yep. just like. Which is would be the only tool in my belt as well. I think that's a really good tactic, actually. Because yeah. I feel like that happened in another book I was reading. I did. I was reading We Set the Dark on Fire. Great YA book. Mm. And someone is being held captive with their arms behind their back. And they do the same thing. They just go limp. And it surprises the person so much that they stop struggling, that they had stopped struggling, that it throws the person off balance and they're able to squiggle away. I love a good squiggle away. I think it's a good technique. I've read about it twice in a week, so keep yeah. that in your back yeah. pocket. If hopefully this never happens to you, but yeah, I mean, just in case, just go limp, man. But then don't do what she does next, which oh, is man. run up the stairs deeper into, into the, house. the house. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it worked out for her, but like as a general rule, exit, exit the facility. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Run toward people, not toward your diary. Yes. Could not agree more. Oh, man. That was, that was pretty terrifying, but. Yeah, it wasn't great. It's, it's kind of my worst nightmare. That, I agree. The home invasion is not a thing I like to ever think about at any point in time. No. Um, so I have very few suggestions on this book, but I do have some comments. Okay. Fall under, it would be awesome if. (gasps) Oh, I love it. Okay. Lay them on me, sister. Okay. Um, pretty much everything I was hoping for ultimately came to fruition. Like, I thought that they were going to end up turning the... I wanted them or was thinking that they were going to turn the castle into a dance school. But 
like this spa vacation area for kids with physical disabilities was fantastic. Agreed. Like, yeah. love it. Okay. Um, so no criticism there. Here, here are a couple of my things. Um, what happened to Mr. Fabergé? Kelly, same question. So yep. this bothered me very much. We, we had gotten to know him in two books as the in antique dealer. Yep. And now there's a new antique dealer in yeah, town. Anti- yeah, and I'm sorry. We just don't need two very high-end antique dealers in the Nancyverse. We absolutely do not. Or in my brain. Correct. I just need to know Mr. Fabergé is in town. I know his responsibility as a stock mm-hmm. character in River Heights, the mm-hmm. end. Correct. I just, <sighs> like, and this is this is like a uh, a good general note for whoever is playing the role of Carolyn Keene at any point in time. Like, I I just need them to start batching their characters a little bit better. <laughs> batching the characters. Beautifully stated, yes. You know, I just, I can't invest in, like, a dozen antique dealers. No. You know, I can invest in one. And Agreed. I have. And his name is Mr. Faber. And we already know we can trust him. Yes. We know there's a relationship there that we can work with versus... Yeah. I don't even remember this guy's name. I refuse to commit it to memory because I didn't care. I was like, forget that guy. Like, you know, if you want to introduce a new character in the antique world, he can work for Mr. Faber. But like, you know, keeping, I I just, it's like, it opens up all of these opportunities for future callbacks, you know, to find out what's going on with the Russian royalty down the block because through Mr. Faber, but now that he like, bugs. Okay. So um, next, next point. Um, since Carson was, like, way more involved helping Nancy investigate this mystery, I wanted him to take, like, personal umbrage to the fact that there was a crooked attorney doing shady business in River Heights. Oh. And, like, I wanted him to make taking that guy down, like, his personal Everest. That would have been great. Like, you are making this whole profession look yeah. so bad, sir. Like, not in my town. Yep. Yep. You know, Good with a real call. John Wayne kind of flair. Yeah, there was definitely some hatred there. Like, he was pretty steamed a couple of times when he talked about Daniel Hector. But, yeah, there was never a face-off moment. (laughs) Wow, we've referenced that movie twice now in this episode. Why why is this happening? (laughs) Why is this happening? Um, Okay, so here's my last one, and and maybe my most important request. So, I'll start with a point of kind of, like, eye roll. It took Nancy less than three weeks to find this missing dancer who's been living, like, less than an hour away, but <laughs> mm-hmm. considered missing for a decade. So long. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, she's, she's, she's living at this farm using a pseudonym. It's like using her common pseudonym, but in French. So she was, like, this mildly famous dancer, so she had, like, come up with a, a pseudonym. Um, and then she translated that pseudonym to French and disappeared yes because her name i think her name was like juliana flowers right and she changed her name to like mademoiselle mademoiselle fleur miss fleur (laughs) yes yeah yeah i just i kind of failed to understand how all of the professional detectives who have been hired to find her by like this billionaire with a castle completely unable to execute any kind of resolution in this but so my best solution for this is that the only way Nancy is able to find her is, which is not, she ultimately Nancy is able to find her through some very routine 
good, but like routine sleuthing, right? Mm -hmm. Like she tracks down clues and follows them. But there's no reason like any of these other detectives wouldn't have been able to follow this same bread trail Trump bread. Bread trail bread bread crumb trail. Oh my god, um, <laughs> trail of breadcrumbs. Uh, you know, ten years earlier, particularly when like it was way fresher. You know. Yes. So like, so my only solution is that the only way Nancy should have been able to find her is because Nancy uncovers the secret nickname that Walt has for Juliana, which nobody else knows. So um. when she finds out that the nickname is Cinderella. And nobody else knew that. Nobody else, you know, no no one else had any idea that was his nickname for her. Yeah. Um, she then is able to connect Juliana to her farm, which should have been called something like the Glass Slipper Farm. Oh, that's so good. And so that's how she's able to make that connection um, when no one else could. That's so that super was That's good. my one big, big, it would have been awesome if. Kelly, that is a really good, yeah, yeah, that's really good. And also agreed, that did irk me that she was, and it wasn't even a hidden in plain sight thing. No. She, she wasn't hidden at all. She was just living, running a public facing business a mile away. (laughs) Correct. Yeah, with like employees and stuff. Like, yes. Multiple yeah. people saw her on a daily basis, but whatever. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, Mrs. Fleur? Yeah, that lady? Yeah, we, oh yeah. We know former ballet dancer? Former, former ballerina? You used to date the guy with the castle? That's Weird. my boss, yep, yep. <laughs> did, uh, did Nancy get to add anything to her resume in this book, she asks? Oh, she did. I added three things to Nancy's resume. Well, I added two, and then one resurfaced, I should say. All right. So, first thing I added... We haven't discussed this yet, but basically one can assume from this that Nancy has her doctorate in English literature. And I say this because at Mm -hmm. one point, Nancy expresses to Bess and George that she can read Middle English. And she taught herself to read and translate Middle English by reading all of Chaucer. Mm -hmm. Now... (laughs) <laughs> come on so uh-huh. we both have english majors we do we have read chaucer we have read beowulf have. we have had we have been physically forced to read books in middle english and mm-hmm. old english mm-hmm. i won't speak for you i hated every second of that oh no it's it's misery it's terrible it is illegible yeah nancy absolutely cannot read old english i don't believe it <laughs> There's, there's a letter that sounds like a throat clear. Like, I don't know how to read that. It's insane. And But she, yes, in this book, she just says, oh, I can translate Middle English mm-hmm. because I am a Chaucer historian. What? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. But if true, it's on her resume. <laughs> but, but one more thing that helps her in life, 0%. Like, I'm a skin diver that can speak Middle English. Completely. You're also, hired, Nancy. I thought she was in art school. I am deeply confused about where she spends her time. But that is a thing that we now learned about her. Uh, the second thing, I've decided that Nancy must be a CrossFit alumnus because she climbs up and over so many walls in this book. She climbs a vine at one point. Yep. This she is full Tarzan. Yeah. yeah. This is not a normal thing to be able yeah. to do. 
I have tried to climb a rope one time in CrossFit and it is so hard. I could not do it at all. So like for for me climbing climbing is one of those things that I don't even want to do when I know that it's possible. So like <laughs> if someone takes me and puts me in front of a rope and seven other people then climb that rope in front of me, proving that it is humanly possible to do it. I'm like, pass. I was in that situation mere weeks ago, and that is exactly yeah. how I approached it as well. <laughs> but then if you were to put me in in the world and say, here is a building, scale that wall using this drain pipe and vine, I would be like, well, humans can't do that. Like, <laughs> that's not a thing. I... I know. I know. So all I can assume is that she is shredded. Yeah. And I'm curious as no to... No writing from South America. For sure. And I'm just curious when she's finding time to work out because that is a lot of work to maintain. And mm-hmm. how, when... But she's also reading Chaucer, Kelly. She... Oh, yeah. And, and she eats nothing but, like, six-course meals that are all starch. And, like, a hundred glasses of milk with cookies every day. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like there's a full like quarter of a cake slice at her dinner plate every night. Yeah. Next to like her potatoes. I know. I know. So. (sighs) Genetics, man. Listen. Some people just got it. Nancy is shredded. Okay. So the last thing on her resume, which has appeared before, but was a huge part of the conclusion of this book. Nancy is like a solopreneur to the T. So. Mm -hmm. It wasn't enough for her just to solve this mystery, to reunite this family, to get Juliana her mansion, get this, you know, inheritance debacle solved. No, no. She says, well, now that that's done, I do remember the water on this property tasting really good. (laughs) So she gets people to, like, test this water. Mm -hmm. There is this healing spring water on the property. So she gets Juliana hooked up with like a spring water bottling business for a little passive income. Yeah. Within like 24 hours. Yeah. In addition to also saying these mollusk shells everywhere are pretty unique, like one of a kind mollusk shells and starts like a direct line sales pipeline to jewelry creators and distributors in New York City. So she she's just, solving a lot of problems for people. She really unasked to be solved problems, but mm-hmm. she's like, let me just really triple down on this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is that a water pun? No, but I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So that's what I added. PhD in English, CrossFit alum extraordinaire and solopreneur yet again. Nice. I, I love it. Okay. Love so it. two open questions for you. Yes, Karen. Maybe this first one, I should have categorized it. It it would be awesome if. But my question for you is, how long is it going to take someone to figure out that they just need to get to Bess or George and buy them off or blackmail them mm. or something to take Nancy Drew down? Because yes. that would be the ultimate and best way to thwart her because she tells them everything. Uh-huh. It is like leak city. Things that she should not be telling anyone. She's like, P.S. I'm solving this top secret case. You want all the details, Bess? Like, yeah. Ooh, a double cross would be amazing. Right. Especially if it was Bess because Uh they just treat her like garbage. She's getting food shamed all the time. And I don't think it would actually take that much money to turn Bess. 
No. I also I also think Ned would take that money in a skinny minute. <gasps> Do you? Yeah. Oh, he do- I don't trust him either, Kelly. I just um, don't trust him. Yeah. I just what's he doing in South America? Uh, unclear. I'm just saying. Um, for the first time at the end of this book, did you notice that in one paragraph they were like, and then a year passed. It's like a full year elapses in one sentence at the end of this book, which has never occurred. Usually, like, we start a new book and somehow it's football season again. But (laughs) in this book, we flash forward an entire year. We're Uh also on book 22 of this Uh series. So is Nancy, like, 40 years old now? Well, she should be. Yes. If, if all things were right in the world, she should be. But no, I think she's, now she's 20. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She's probably married with six kids. They didn't tell us that part. Um, dog's still t- missing. Sex tablets. Still haven't seen that dog. Like, really, what is going on with Togo? Togo's been gone for a long time. I'm starting to get mad about it. Like, He's it's never, starting to upset me. Never discussed again. Yeah, I, like, on that note, Karen, though, like, this is now, by my count, and I may have lost count, but this is at least the third business that she's helped start. So, like, <laughs> we we had the ever-popular roadside animatronic attraction of the counterfeiters. The best one ever. Redgate Farm. Yeah. Uh-huh. We had Kellerman's that was started at the end of Broken Locket. What was Kellerman's? Like, well, I, that's what I'm calling it from Dirty Dancing. It was, like, the full, oh. like, summer camp experience. For, yes. Like, you know, down at, at the end of Broken Locket um, um, with all the relatives that didn't know each other yep. um, and have decided to go into business together. And now we have like the Dasani Health Spa. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, and Nancy's getting no piece of any of this action. She has not been paid once. No. Ever. She's not getting any kind of residual kickback. No, she's not considered an investor or anything in any of this stuff, which... no. I'm like, Carson, advise your child. She's messing you know, up. You're a lawyer. Come on. Like, come on. She could literally be retired by now if she had. Well, she pretty much is, isn't she? Yeah, she doesn't really do anything except wander around and hang out with Salty, the clam, seeing clam, clamsman. <laughs> the clamsman. With, yes. With two M's. To be two, yes. <laughs> Oh. I, I just, I, like, I have started to view Nancy as, like, the unfunny detective version of Midge Maisel, you know? <laughs> I love that visual. Yeah. <laughs> that will be my, yeah, that'll be my Midge now. All right, well, let's rate this puppy. Um, oh. This week, we are rating The Clue in the Crumbling Wall in honor of George out of a 12 mm-hmm. possible stolen blouses. <laughs> Oh, justice for George, man. Perfect. I love it. Uh, well, if I get to go first, which I believe I do, I'm going to give this an easy 10 and a half out of 12 stolen blouses. Oh, dang. That is a high yeah, rating. This, okay. This is this has been one of my favorites so far, I got to say. Um, I love that there was only one plot. Yep. Uh, the, the castle setting was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Loved all that. Uh, I like that we were not just searching, searching for like a hidden artifact. But we were also looking for a missing person. Yeah. Um, there was lots of really good, like, point-to-point logical sleuthing that you could follow along with. Plus, you know, all the Scooby-Doo hilarity we previously discussed. <laughs> and I added a full point for the female policewoman. Completely fair. How I about you? That. I gave it a nine. 
A nine out of twelve That's stolen blouses. Yeah, I, I, I have already discussed this, but I loved the scenes that actually spent an appropriate amount of time sleuthing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a one-page brief encounter. I thought the sleuthing was great. Um, I also loved that this book did not care at all about Ned or the boys. No one was coming to their rescue. Um, I also added points for the lady cop. I'm like, oh, females have jobs in River Heights now. Fantastic. Um, I did remove three stolen blouses for mistreatment of Bess and lack of recognition for being the best member of the Drew crew. (laughs) She really is. She really is. I love her so much. So... Well, Karen, next week, we are reading Nancy Drew and the Mystery of the Tolling Bell, which sounds vaguely exciting because there is a mysterious diner where the girls masquerade as waitresses, which is like giving me real Twin Peaks vibes. Oh, I love that. I hope Mm. they wear like outfits. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you call them outfits and not costumes. A waitress suit. (laughs) Waitress suit. Oh I can't wait. It's like some. It's like sometimes you. It, it's like what what. It's it's like you learned English as a second language, but if your first language was alien. Well, that's. I think that's why I call things suits because of Men in like Black. An Edgar suit. The Edgar suit, exactly. <laughs> I think that's why that is in my brain. <laughs> Well, friends, Um, please rate, review, and subscribe if you're so inclined. Tell a friend. You can find us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast. And remember what we learned today in Nancy Drew and the Clue of the Crumbling Wall. In the Crumbling Wall? Uh, It's near the Crumbling Wall. It's involved. Somewhere in and about. It's the Crumbling Wall. If a little boy steals your rose bushes, he's probably also involved in a large-scale identity theft maneuver, and you should alert the authorities immediately. (laughs) Good to know. Yes. (laughs) And with that, happy Happy sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow.